Good morning, folks. Once again, you have stumbled into Full Contact Cannabis, a cannabis podcast made by cannabis professionals for cannabis professionals. And we are sponsored by the old hemp farmer's wife, Topicals, Soaps and Hair Care, and Tennessee Homegrown, which has a wide assortment of cannabis products. I'm sitting here or talking with my partner, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media. Hello, everyone. And we're with Andrew Smith. How's it going, everybody? Andrew, do you want to real quick tell people about your company and a little bit about yourself before we go splashing into the deep end of the pool? Of course, yeah. So I started out about three, four years ago. Uh, easy to lose track of time in this business for sure. And uh, I was doing reviews, doing festivals, doing the YouTube, uh, Instagram, the whole social media thing. And that's how I first met you. And then I kind of shifted a little bit and realized that maybe I had some ideas of my own and started up my company, Totally Hypothetical Care LLC, to make my own teas and sugar and whatever else I can come up with and see how far it goes. Cool. So when did that start? I actually just started the company in December last year. So you're less than a year old. Yep. Okay. Well, all right. So you're in the cannabis business. What made you kind of decide that you wanted to be a pro? Well, I had been kind of experimenting with my own stuff, trying to make my own things and figure stuff out the whole time I was doing reviewing. And I had buddies that were just like, why aren't you selling this? You should be selling this. You should be selling this. And then, I don't know, I guess eventually after you hear it so many times, you're like, yeah, why am I not selling this? <laughs> can I tell you something, Andrew? Don't listen to your friends and relatives. They can talk you into anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> where are you located? Cookville, Tennessee. All right. Is that where you're from or is that where you've ended up? This is where I have ended up, and I honestly am I'm happy. I've always wanted to be in Tennessee since I was a kid. My grandparents had a place out here uh, in Crossville, way out there. They had like 15 acres. I'd visit them, you know, in the summers, and I just knew I'd be in Tennessee, but I'm originally from Florida. I grew up there. I went back there after the military, and then finally found myself in Tennessee, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> Were you into uh, trying to be a campus professional before you got to Tennessee, or that once you got to Tennessee, you thought, okay, a man can take a couple million dollars and have a good spouse and, and make a good living. You know, honestly, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind at all. It had been one of those things that was just like, oh yeah, cannabis is illegal. Like if I want it, I'm going to have to go hide it somewhere. And then I think somewhere around 2017, 2018, I want to say, is when I first walked into a shop that actually knew what they were talking about and were able to give me information. And I was like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. And then that started the whole deep dive into learning as much as possible, talking to as many companies as possible, you know, reviewing flour, Delta 8 gummies. I mean, just honestly, when that happened, I was just awestruck by the possibilities of what was legal. <laughs> so what do you think of the what I think is one of the more peculiar cannabis environments in the whole country? That was a question. I mean, uh, you can, uh, Darbo, you can ask that better. Come on, man. Wake up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understood it. All right. So the thing is, Tennessee has a very unique law, especially when you compare it to other environments. Like 
because, all right, perfect example, it's 217, 218, and here's all these products you probably didn't know you could buy, and there they are, you can buy. Yes. Uh, so at first, it was kind of like, uh, do I do this, do I not? Because like I said, that was the first one I went into that knew what they were talking about. So once I learned from them, I had to go off on my own and learn more so that I could educate myself to know which of these awesome products on the shelves were worth taking or not taking. And what was I comfortable with as far as knowing how things were created? What was I comfortable with consuming? Things like that. And like you said here, it's very unique as you can go into shops here and I mean, you can see cannabinoids as high as the thousand milligrams. And, you know, people think, oh, it's not THC. It's not the flower. It's not, they don't understand the difference between the Delta eights and the nines and the tens and which, you know, it is one of those things you have to research on your own or find somebody that will actually tell you those things. Uh, but once you learn that stuff, it does create a unique opportunity, especially once you realize that Delta 9 is the same Delta 9 no matter where it comes from, even if it's hemp-derived. <laughs> Although you know you'd get some serious pushback on that, right? Oh, yeah. God, that's one of my biggest discussions with people is that D9 coming from a high THC plant is totally different than D9 coming from a high CBD plant that's been converted. Unless you're getting it straight from the THCA flower, then well, it's just Delta 9. Well, no, but only if you decarb it. I mean, well, yeah, but anybody that's got Delta 9 psychoactive in any product's got decarbed product, whether they want to admit it or not. Well, yeah, well, that's especially if it's hemp derived. Because you can't, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, you cannot convert. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah real, right? uh, real quick, this is a good thing. How do you understand the current laws? and what you can and cannot do here in Tennessee. Okay, so as far as I understand the laws, as long as we're keeping it under the 0.3% on the dry weight scale with the THC in it, as far as the Delta 9s go, it's considered hemp as long as it's hemp derived. Okay. So, so basically keep it under three milligrams per gram of dry weight and you're safe. Now, how does flour come into that? Because this is the $64,000 question here in Tennessee is with the new law, HBO 403, it goes into dosages and things like that. And, you know, total amount of THC, not D9, but total THC. How do you think that's going to affect things like flour? Uh, well, if they're going total THC and we do all that, then it will affect percentages as far as uh, some of the flour that's like what they get away with that like little bit of the Delta 9 and then the rest is THCA or they have like a little bit of Delta 8 in there. So they'll be getting rid of like, say, the flowers that some of that Delta 8 flower that was out for a while that was like 30, 40 percent that was like crazy, you know. It was got awful uh, product too. Mm. Right. And that's, <laughs> I don't know, I guess I... Oh, man, I hate to say it, but like I, I can see where the need is. I can understand where we're coming from. I just don't really like where we head when we try to make good changes. It seems <laughs> like to go forward, we got to go backwards and then work around a side door. And then when we should just have, I don't know, a good discussion with anybody that'll listen. I mean, if we're going to make laws, we need the lawmakers to understand the plan before we're making laws that make no sense or bind the hands of everyone that's trying to do something good. Do we need limits? Yes. Does it need to be like 20, 25, 30 milligram limit? 
no, that's that's kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. But the, the flip side to that is I know from my store owners where I take stuff in that some of the people that are doing some like 75 milligram, 100 milligram gummies, they're getting people that are getting too high. So, well, see, and that, all right, that comes down to the consumer, right? You're, you're not going into the liquor store and going, Hey, I, I, I love to drink vodka at the bar. Let me, let me get fucking the strongest vodka I can find. Or like, Hey, I like rum. Let's get some 151 and have a good time. And you've never had it before. It's, you know, it comes down to educating. That's all it is. Like I said, when you go into a store and they can't explain to you like, hey, if you've never done this, you probably could start with five milligrams and be okay. And instead they want to upsell you and sell you the bag that's got, you know, each one's 50 milligrams and you got like 500 milligrams in the bag. And they're like, yeah, just eat one. You're fine. No, they're not. So uh, one of the things that I've been astonished at, and most of the, my fellow cannabis professionals here in Tennessee, has been the whole concept of THCA flour. Have you been surprised by the stiff amounts of THCA in them and the quality in stores? Yes. You can tell the stores that are really like pushing it and the stores that are like, Oh yeah, I got this flower cheap. I'm just gonna sell it. <laughs> you know, you can tell the people that care and don't care. Like off the top of my head, you guys have great pre-rolls. It's even that lower percentage, if I remember, was like six percent or something like that. You're talking about our mama bear pre-roll. Those were really good. Well, they're but we're still making them sort of the same way. They're predominantly THCA, but there's almost as much CBDA in it. And it's right, and that's always a good balance. I like well, that. Well, that's the whole thing about the educating the consumer. Yeah, uh, as far as going the higher side, Snapdragon, I think, is probably the highest I've had. I have seen COAs at this last event that I went to claiming 33% or something on their THCA flower. Is that oh, no. even possible? That's, I was going to say, I don't know how much that's, I think after that 20% mark, 22% mark, you're really pushing what you're calling hemp. <laughs> we went in earlier we had uh john kern of uh new bloom and we were talking about the concept of lab shopping i mean you know the whole idea about uh integrity of the coa just out of curiosity what lab do you use uh pro verde labs it was suggested <laughs> to me and it's the only one i've used <laughs> okay all right now i've used pro verde because i've heard people got the results they wanted so that I won't say anything more than that. But do you think because of that, that one, there'll be a twofold crackdown? One is the fact that a bunch of the stuff probably wouldn't pass. But then the other thing, which, you know, now that you have an edible, is that integrity to the consumer. I mean, if you tell a consumer that you're paying $20 for a gram of stuff that's supposedly 28% THCA, and it's only 22%, that seems right. to me like borderline fraud. And also, I think a lot of we should be educating consumers as far as if it is truly THCA flour, while they are smoking it, they're burning off while they're decarbing. So they're going to lose 20%. They're not going to feel like they're really smoking their, like, you know, MJ 28, 30%. It's not going to feel like that. Uh, well, but that's what I'm saying is I knew some people that were literally driving to Illinois 
once they got there, they weren't happy with the quality and they sure as heck weren't happy with the price because it still is not a, a buyer's market quite yet in Illinois. And the thing about it, I turned them on to a couple of the stores where we sell and, you know, not for our product, but they had high THC flour. And they found that the THCA flower here was as good or better than what they were getting in Illinois. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, some of the THCA flower, the good high quality flower coming here out of Tennessee is some of the best flower that I've ever seen hands down, whether it's hemp, MJ, whatever, it does not matter. It's some of the most beautiful, most terp heavy. I mean, just great flower that I've seen. If we could get a good legalization here, I'm well, telling but, you, Tennessee well, would be like top it. three in production. <laughs> Andrew, if you can sell these products now, what do you need legalization for? I mean, that's a fair point too. Well, that's but I mean that's the whole point is that to me there always seems to be and it and maybe it's because it's that last little step up the ladder or whatever, but there seems to be well if we just had rec everything would be different or it would be better. Nah, that's I don't it would definitely be different. I don't think it would be better. It'd get worse before it got better. Bingo. It'd get a whole lot worse before it got better. But mm. whoever survived the storm would be in a great position. <laughs> Jarbo, do you, do you see any on the horizon? And you too, Andrew, do you see on the horizon legalization in the state of Tennessee? Ugh, all right. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't see it anywhere within the next four years, five years. At best, I think we could rewrite a really good hemp bill and not necessarily need any kind of legalization at all. Like we're talking about how, you know, if we can sell what we sell now, then what's the problem? Honestly, the only problem I see is if we could rewrite a farm bill that just said, keep it under the weight, whether it comes from whatever plant, it doesn't matter. It's it's the same plant. I think that could work out. I don't see them being like, yeah, we're going to maybe a med in the next three years or so but wreck I, I no not unless the federal government just totally says yep totally fine now we're good it's off the list have fun i think that's the only way tennessee is going to get fully on board with that to me what has happened is is the bill present bill we have in tennessee is not a hemp bill it's really not. no what is it no, it's, I agree. A, it's a cannabinoid foot but this is the thing and i agree with you i don't see us getting wrecked for three or four years for the simple fact that what we have is a wreck light now and i think there's going to be a huge people that are going to say hey we got legal form because that is a weird thing about tennessee laws and the other thing might be similar is the one up in minnesota but they have wrecks so it doesn't count anyway but the whole idea is that we said okay we recognize that you guys are getting high on this. There's no medical value. We're going to legalize something that you can go into a store and just get ripped. So I think they're going to say, we gave that to you. What more do you want? And that's going to be on the med side. Oh, God, it just does not seem to have any teeth here because... The one thing that we do know when people do medical is that half the people that do go get cards are not doing it for medical reasons. They're doing right. it so they can get stuff. All right. Well, the thing about it is if you can already go and get something and bomb in there and don't have to go to a doctor or have to pay the fee that to be a get your card, 
who's going to be really clamoring for it? And that's the, the whole point. The only thing about REC is the only person that REC would really, really help right now is producers. Because if you came in and did a REC law and you said, like all the other REC states, if you want to get any cannabis product, it has to be made in Tennessee. That would help you. It would help me because now I don't have to compete against people in Texas or Florida or the whole other host of places where they're chunking out hemp-derived cannabinoids. Right. So, and that would keep the, the big companies from swooping in here and taking advantage of our good laws. Which what they are kind of doing. I mean, it's. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. Are you amazed when you go into smoke stores or vape stores or whatever that generally two thirds to 90 percent of the products on the shelf are not made here in Tennessee? Oh, yeah, that's that's common. Uh, you really got to hunt out the, the Tennessee based companies. You do. It's kind of sad because. I've reviewed a ridiculous amount of products and Tennessee has, I mean, the best hands down. It's just, I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> Whatever Do we're doing out here is better than what I've been trying from anywhere else. The one thing I have noticed when I go to rec states is the states where it's a very, very competitive market. You have to have a good product or you, you have to go away. God. I hate to say this, but having all these people come in from out of state, I know that the Tennessee homegrown products or the old hemp farmer's wife products have to be really, really, really good. Otherwise, you don't have a chance. You don't. Right. And and maybe that's what it is. We all kind of realize that like we've got to beat them somewhere. So we gotta be we gotta be better quality. We gotta be better priced. We just gotta be better. Which is a good thing. Honestly, and I, I've noticed in other states as well that there's, you know, you go to a dispensary in California, it's not all just California anymore. You'll see Colorado, uh, you go to Nevada, it's from all over the country. So I don't know that Tennessee's unique in that way, but I do agree with you, Andrew, that the product locally here is superior. And it is unfortunate that it doesn't get more recognition, but maybe over time that'll all shake out. How long did it take the companies to figure out the Delta 9 as far as the farm bill was written? Now we've got to take, you know, probably just as much time to educate the consumer about that. And now the bill is changing again. So now we're going to all have to educate ourselves and everyone else all over again. I think once we catch up with our education level and passing that to the consumers, once we get everybody caught up, I think that's when we're going to see that nice, like smooth sailing and everybody's going to hit a good groove. And we'll be all right. One other thing I think that's advantageous to producers in Tennessee is we were third, fourth state to actually start doing this. Colorado and Kentucky did it the first year, but this would be the ninth crop produced under Tennessee's, quote, hemp law. And I think, like anything, if the longer you do it, you get better at it. Because one thing that it really... You know, it kills Tilray's, Canami, all the big companies is, is the artisanal aspect of cannabis. And because of that, you have to do it to learn it to get better. And so you can't just in an 18 months be able to grow top-notch flour, 
or make really great edibles. Right. You know, you are our first reviewer. We've been wanting, me and Step, of wanting to get a reviewer on there. And even though you no longer do it. I still you- um, I still go do event videos and stuff <clears throat> like that. I'll be in uh, Denver for Halloween doing a video, actually. <laughs> and what event will you be in in Denver? It's Smoke to Smoke's podcast uh, live event at uh, Jad's Mile High Club on Halloween. You always want to plug. Well, yeah. So when did you first start reviewing? 2018, 17, 17 or 18, somewhere in there. Uh, I started reviewing probably like four months after I realized that everything was possible. So I started to be like, oh, I wonder what else is possible. And then I thought, well, why not share it with everybody? So I did the Instagram and YouTube and it's definitely a lot more than you think it's going to be. You mean work-wise? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You uh, you want to you're like, oh, I'm just going to review some products. And then next thing you know, you're like, I got to step this up a little bit. I got to learn how to do my thumbnails. So you got to learn Photoshop. Uh, and then you got to learn how to edit your videos better. So they look cleaner. So you're going on YouTube. You're looking at film editing. You're trying to teach yourself some basic film editing. And then you're like, oh, the audio is garbage. I got to figure out how to clean that up. OK, go learn how to do this. So you kind of just end up learning a lot of things to do that one little thing that you wanted to do. So if you're not really into it, I would not suggest trying to start. (laughs) So what was your receptivity when you started? Because you're as far as the cannabis reviewing, if you started in 2017, 18, you were one of the pioneers. Uh, No, not really. I think there was probably Sarkaz and Taz and, uh, Ruthless Raj, Seeing Green. Well, yeah, I guess I was probably one of the first, 15 or so, 10 or 15. In my world, that makes you pioneer. So so once you got into it, could you actually kind of track like, okay, I'm not sure like the products that you reviewed, if the companies could track after you did a review, what it did? Uh, Some of them on the, where I got big hits on videos, they could definitely tell um, because they would be like, holy crap. (laughs) Uh, but a lot of them, honestly, a lot of the companies, they just don't really care about you. Like you put the video out and even if it's got thousands and thousands of views, you never even hear from them again. But some of the, you know, nicer, more smaller companies, you know, they'll talk to you and they'll be like, oh, you know, thank you so much. You know, they throw you a product or whatever. You know, I never asked for anything. I did everything I did for free. I still do it for free. (laughs) I just have my business now to try and make money to fund life. That's a rarity. Uh, this is real cool because there's a couple things I do want to kind of go into, especially on the reviewing. Is has the time and the influence of reviewers? Is it the, still the same as it was a few years ago? I think we're all still fighting the same battles. So, <laughs> could you clarify that just a tad? <laughs> so, you know, when you first start out, you're trying to find your way. You're trying to get youtube or instagram or whatever trying to get that algorithm to grab a hold of your content and send it around so you can grow the problem is in the cannabis sector whether it's you know legal cannabis in california colorado wherever it doesn't matter uh, or hemp sector here legal or any other state that has hemp if you're posting flour uh, you get flagged they don't want to see flour. They want you to take it down. Well, it's really hard when a lot of the companies in the beginning were selling CBD flour real heavy because how are you going to promote CBD flour for them if you can't take the pictures? So you take the risk of getting your account shut down or not growing. 
So you have to find unique ways around that or just keep going and hope that when you get knocked down, you can build up your followers again. Uh, that's still the same now. Uh, as far as that goes, you get blocked from like, it used to be like shadow ban. You have to type in the person's entire name on their account for them to pop up. Uh, now I get an alert every couple of weeks when I log in that tells me I can't be shown to people in discovery. I won't be shown to non-followers and my reels will not be promoted like basically at all. <laughs> so they're always working against us. They don't, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because they can't prove legalities in different areas. So it's like a risk for them or whatever, but we're always constantly fighting that battle of like, how much can I push to get the retention of the viewers that I need to steadily grow, to be relevant in this space without getting my account banned and having to start all over again. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes. We know that uh, me and the people in my company have been in Facebook jail on many a time and half the time, three quarters of the time, we didn't feel like we were pushing the limit. I mean, some of the times we got put in Facebook jail, we still to this day do know not, because we didn't have pictures of flour. We weren't overtly trying to sell anything, but evidently there was something in wording or whatever. And they went, eh. And no, somebody reported you. All right. We'll see. All right, I we'll hate to tell you that, but that that's another thing. Other companies that don't like certain companies will get other people to like report, not just that company's photos, but any review. Like if they find a reviewer that did a review for them, they'll report that as well. Hey, oi, 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 oi. Okay. My next question, I guess, is kind of maybe what you've already said, but I find it perplexing that people in the marijuana hemp drive can don't work harder at marketing. I, I mean, mean, honestly, I think that's what it is. Like how Well, but you... okay, but Step has worked in Japan. Right. And Step, could you talk a little bit about how they do messaging in Japan versus how they do it here? They uh, basically don't include the product. And, uh, well, yeah. I it, mean... It's it's built for grabbing attention, uh, telling a good story that could be related to the product, could have nothing to do with it. And then basically you get a brand stamp at the end, like Sony. That's it. And then they move on. And that has in the marketing strategy for i would say at least 75 years there and it holds true today wow well that's what i'm talking about is this steadfast you know i'm going to keep because we've had to change at tennessee homegrown and the old hemp farmer's wife we've had to change the way we've marked it. we're having to be more subtle we 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 proofread stuff i mean we really do it's like we have our own uh Step what they call it when you have to cue when the networks have to go through something to put a program on QC it or what oh is QC it? it yeah yeah before it goes on yeah and they go and they do it for content and make everything in so we're kind of having to do that on our, on our media and so uh, but it's still frustrating still yeah but there's no there's no set standard on the internet yeah that's but that's the so you have to self check. And then try to learn as you go, which is 
kind of tough. You have a new product, Andrew. You want to talk about you? You never have gone into your product. The reason why I'm asking you that is, is because that's going to segue into the next part of that question is, now that you've been a reviewer, how are you going to get the message out about your product? Uh, Well, actually, I think that kind of helped me in that aspect uh, because I'm still in contact with people in the world of reviewing. So as far as that goes... It's kind of just, I kind of plug into them, like send them things. They give me feedback. They help me promote on Instagram. And a lot of them are just really happy and just like, wow, they're like, this is cool to see you go from like, come out of nowhere into the review space. And then all of a sudden you disappear and then come out of nowhere and you have your own business. And so it does help definitely more than it hinders me as far as that goes. And People kind of already trust my opinion. So, you know, as as far as just like sending stuff out to people and being like, look, it's good, but you tell me. It just, I don't know, it kind of works out for me. And it it helps that my tea is delicious too. (laughs) Yeah, we'll go into that because, okay, your your Bell Cow product is uh, iced tea with cannabinoids? Yes, it's, um, I call it lifted tea. It's a green tea with uh, lemonade and honey in it and i use an infused sugar to dose it so each bottle has 40 milligrams in it it's in like a little beer bottle nice little clean label uh i actually kind of followed labeling as if it was a beer bottle i just felt that that would be my cleanest way of providing all of the information and trying to be in compliance with everything all at once i made it Quite a few times, and it was way too strong uh, for everyone else. So that's probably the the very watered-down version, which will probably be watered down again in the future. <laughs> well, um, you don't but, mean watered down. You're just going to change your formulation. Yeah, probably just, you know, a little less on the, the dosage side. Because I do want people to be able to enjoy say like I could if I could put them in a restaurant or something like that I would like people to be able to go and have that in place of a beer but for that to happen it would have to be you know much lower cannabinoids in there okay and um, I can, if I can be a reviewer for a minute um I tried the tea last night it was incredible I enjoyed it thank you now one of the things just so we can kind of uh since you're this is a newer product you said you had the sugar in there that was infused because you never really mentioned cannabinoids too much. Talk about a little bit about your process. The base of it is your kind of proprietary way that you infuse sugar with cannabinoids. Yeah. So basically, I search around and any farm that has THCA flour that's like they don't sell it for smokable anymore. I usually get it pretty cheap. So I'll buy that. And I take that and I make basically make an alcohol tincture. And then from there, I take that and I put that in with the sugar at my ratio that I need it to be. And then I bake off the alcohol. And what's left is a nice hemp-derived Delta 9 sugar. It's probably, I think the lab said it was 1.8 milligrams per gram on the sugar. So like just under two milligrams so per gram. So you be legal. Yep, it's totally legal. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, I was so worried about sending them to the labs, and I sent them <laughs> off, and I was like, oh, I'm totally fine. And then you know, 
I was freaking out and I'm like, man, I could have put way more in there. I, I'm totally fine. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, we do know that, you know, you do a product and you, you kind of like, I think we're at 0.299, you know, and when it gets verified, it's a very cool thing. Okay. Now that you've kind of gotten into this, the Walter Mitty dreams, where would you like to see your company going? I want two things. <laughs> As far as the future goes, I want a food truck and I want some sort of consumption lounge. I, I'm not exactly sure exactly what I want it to look like yet, but I know I want it to be not necessarily, hey, let's go in and we're going to get ripped real fast. I want it to be a whole experience, like bring your grandma, you know? I, I don't care. I want everyone when they think of my company in the future to just be like, yes, that's where I want everyone to start. This is where you're going to learn that cannabis is fine. You're safe. You're not going to get hurt. I don't want anyone to look at my company and be like, oh, I had this one time and it was way stronger than what they said, or like this wasn't as good as what they said or anything like that. I just want to be like, yes, this is good solid product so i want a place where you can like i said you can bring your grandma your brother your sister your mom your dad the whole family introduce them to cannabis in a safe environment where you can have a whole experience instead of just worrying about getting high and it's a little crazy because yeah i smoke a lot but i, I do mean that I, I don't want people to think of just getting high when they think about cannabis i mean it's fun don't get me wrong <laughs> but <laughs> it's just there's it, so much more to it so you, it seems to me like your approach is going to be a regional approach that where you're going to try to establish locally before you have any dreams about having national distribution. I want them to come here. So how much of being in Tennessee is a part of the product and Andrew and how much, because the one thing I am finding is going back to where Steps observation about the commercials in Japan is, it seems to me that lifestyle in advertising, whether it's cars or beer or cannabis, has as much or more to do with the messaging than ever. Cookville, to a lot of people, is more of a rural area, and it's in the, what, the foothills of the Smokies? I like Cookville. It, it's kind of somewhere in between that, uh, like, it is more rural, but it's kind of somewhere in that city, country, in between kind of thing, you know. Uh, but I think mostly Cookville's is college town i mean we got tennessee tech right here it's, it's mostly college students out here i think so right now your ad campaign is basically what uh right now my ad campaign is federally compliant cannabis uh basically i just educate people i try to get people to come talk to me i usually i'll be like hey you ever had you know infused tea or something and if they have a like, well this is way different than anything you've had you know I usually open them right there, start pouring them. I keep them in a cooler. Basically, get them to taste it, educate them, and that's it. That's my whole thing. I don't really, I don't sell anything. Uh, I offer them to taste it, and I educate them, 
and it takes care of itself usually. Would this business started and evolved the same way if you'd have been into another state? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, the way the hemp law is written, it just allows that unique opportunity to, to really kind of, I mean, like we talked about earlier, you kind of do whatever you want right now. It's not, I mean, it's really just a cannabis law. It's not really, you know, a hemp law. All right. Speaking of that, that's a great way to segue into my next question. After looking at HBO 403, what do you want to call it? Meat and potatoes, the heavy part, heavy lifting part of this law doesn't really take place until July 1st. And that's going to be after the Tennessee legislature gets to go back in and do their voodoo that they do. Do you think that the state of Tennessee will come in and revisit HBO 403 and tweak on it? I mean, I don't see a situation where they wouldn't. <laughs> you sound like a politician. I, I mean, it just, I don't... It just seems like a clever way to make sure that any loopholes found between then and the time of it actually coming online can be fixed without saying that they actually changed anything. <laughs> Same law. We just spiffed it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. No, no. We just we just needed a little, you know, just a little tweak. We didn't change much. You know, it's not really changed. It's just we added this in. That's it. We made it better. Yeah. <laughs> well, them being politicians that know nothing about cannabis leads to the next question is, when they go in and start playing with this bad boy, what is your greatest fears? What's the worst case scenario that those lovable lugs up in Nashville could do in your mind? What would be the worst thing to happen to your business? The worst thing that could possibly happen to me is if they just said no more Delta 9. Okay. Which isn't necessarily out of the question. No, but the thing about one of my observations is, is in this industry, the people making edibles seem to be the best situated because basically you change the law, your tea, green tea lemonade is not going to change. Right. So, uh, I mean, basically, if they change the law, only thing I have to do is put less sugar in it. You know, you <laughs> know or less cannabinoids. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but... Okay, so you're feeling pretty pretty good about this. I mean, from a business point, I'm not really too worried as far as I could, you know, zig or zag, whatever I got to do, and probably be okay, even if I have to drop it down way on the dosage or whatever. As like a cannabis advocate, I don't know how I feel about what could possibly happen. Uh, we are in a good position right now. If we could just stay the same or get a little better that'd be great but you know it's just history shows that we usually go backwards before we can go forwards again what the one thing about being a student of the, uh, the cannabis legal cannabis unfolding there has never been a state that's rolled out a cannabis program yet that that once they rolled it out they oh i never thought about this and this is the one thing i don't think the people who passed this law last year, like they've done a couple times before, really knew what the law was about or what it did. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> I, I mean, I was reviewing for like two or three years and all of a sudden one of the people I reviewed for was like, hey, I just figured something out. Uh, we can do Delta 9 as long as it's under this weight and it actually comes out to be in this much. And I was like, what? 
So then they sent me those and I reviewed those. I remember doing a video and I was like, oh, this is crazy. And then I remember that like first happening at the whole, like everybody was like, wait a minute. And then I would say within like six months, it was like everyone was like Delta 9 this, that, that. And it started this whole thing. And honestly, that could be the reason that we're like, we, they're redoing it. They're like, hold on. We might have let them do a little too much. Well, that was the thing about me and Lee. <laughs> we kind of, I mean, seriously, the D8 thing wasn't that much. It was just doing research and, and doing it because we kind of understood it wasn't D9. The D9... The THCA thing, it was just like, especially when we saw people selling just flat out weed, right? And it's just like, well, how oh, can yeah, you, yeah. I ran like, how, how, can you, how can we people be doing this? I mean, that's the thing about it. And you're not alone. Most of the cannabis professionals I know kind of shake their head and cannot believe what's going on is going on. Yeah. Once I fully grasped the concept myself, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and just send these to the lab. Because I'm pretty close, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, they came back good. And I was like, yeah, okay. The one thing I do think that, uh, and this is going to be the thing, because politicians love votes and they love money. I think that everybody has underestimated how much cannabis is being sold in Tennessee. And I think the reason why is because, you know, we've only got about 7 million people in the state. So you're only going to be doing so much cannabis. It's the friggin' tourist. And like in Nashville alone, they're probably going to, tourists are going to spend a couple billion dollars this this year, 2023. And if like 0.1% of that is friggin' cannabis sales, you're talking, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. And it's- Yeah, it's a huge industry here. Huge. Huge. And that, so which is the one thing that I wonder- about when politicians look at that and they start saying, how much are they going to be able to to <laughs> to take the high road and say, nope, we're not going to take drug money. This is Tennessee. Or will they rationalize it and take it and call it something else? I feel like we could generate a whole lot more money, too. Oh, uh, like I, I, said, think, I still think we're at the beginning. Uh, well, even though we had the big, you know, the big green rush and I've seen plenty of companies fall off. I still feel like we are in the beginning. Well, the thing about it is that the tourism train continues. And now, and then if you're talking about the whole state, according to the Nashville Business Ledger, $29 billion is going to be spent by tourists in Tennessee, which is staggering. And then once again, when people go on vacation, they tend to want to eat more, drink more and consume cannabis products more than they would if they were at home. Oh, yeah, for sure. The thing about it, though, is can the Tennessee-based cannabis companies get their act together enough to be able to basically start restricting products from other states? Because that would be the best thing to happen to you. Uh, yeah, honestly, that'd be the best thing to happen for all of us. <laughs> so that's what my thing uh, if they take away our out-of-state competition, then, I mean, yeah, our, the Tennessee sales would probably go up, honestly. Well, if they can only pick good quality products from Tennessee, pe more people are going to want it. That's for true. Can you believe it, Andrew? <laughs> We've been on here for over 50 minutes, so we're going to stop. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Plus, you got to come back. Okay. But And before I wind it down, Step, any Questions, observations? 
no i think we covered everything uh pretty completely in this and uh like you I, i'm looking forward to another episode with andrew andrew i had no idea if you were going to be able to fill an hour but damn you pretty well did uh, well, if you got more questions <laughs> no 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 well the thing about it is one thing i would like you to be able to do because everybody else here is going to do it too is step first of all what are you working on right now well i just wrapped up a interesting concert uh with the milwaukee symphony orchestra fronted by the violent femmes um that was a really cool unique job uh, a couple of cma shows coming up and then uh happy to say that can't say much about it but i am involved in the uh formula one race that's coming up with in vegas in november so pretty so full docket yeah so does that mean people can't hire uppercut and you oh no they absolutely can't we'll, we'll take <laughs> any and all work available <laughs> all right and uh andrew uh how do people get a hold of you i'm on facebook instagram uh totally hypothetical care llc you can Get me on there anytime. Just shoot me a message. Any questions? I have my website. It's just the business name.com. That's it. Totally hypothetical care, LLC.com. And any questions, just hit me up. Instagram, Facebook, doesn't matter. I'll try to answer questions. If I don't know the answer, I will find out because I'll want to know the answer too. What what kind of iced tea do you call it? I call it lifted tea. Andrew's I lifted, also make a lemonade. <laughs> but it has been approved by Mark Step. just so everybody right. knows it. It's Step yeah, approved. That, yeah, that's my first ever review in social media and probably my hey. last. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But now you have to, after tasting that, you have to go and taste the other different yeah, ones absolutely yeah yeah see so but now you're gonna have to ship him some or come down <laughs> bring it. um all right well then i'm gonna wind this up folks like i said you've been listening to full contact cannabis it's sponsored by the old hemp farmer's wife in tennessee homegrown i'm one of your co-hosts harold jarbo aka the old hemp farmer and as always keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market thanks Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee Homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com.